0: Two, three. Listen.
1: Welcome to the Dotcast from Nine Dots. Nine Dots is the online learning community for wedding photographers. For all the lowdown about everything we do, teleport yourself over to nine-dots.co. <laughs> Good day, wedding photographer. Welcome back. My name is still Adam Johnson. I'm one of the co-founders of this little thing called Nine Dots, along with the effervescent duo of Andy Gaines and Rahul Kona. In this series of DocCast episodes, I'm having good old chats with wedding photographers about their journeys into and experiences with wedding photography. I'm like a cross between Michael Parkinson and Jimmy Fallon, kind of, or not. The DocCast guest today is Shelley Mantovani. She goes by the brand Toast of Leeds. I'm not sure why as she's not in Leeds, but she's near Leeds. But Toast of near Leeds isn't as snappy. Find out what Butlins has to do with Shelley's journey into photography, how she cycled to Skegness after her first wedding so she could develop the photos, and how she sees and finds creativity everywhere and in everything. As has become a theme on the Dotcast, we chat about photography style, and we finish talking about whether there's business in art and art in business. It's a good one, this, and I hope you enjoy it. If you want to tell us something or ask us something, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Search for Nine Dots and look for our logo. Or you can email us hello at nine-dots.co. We will also gladly accept postcards from your holidays if you've got our postal address. Happy listening. Knowing me, Adam Johnson, knowing you, Shelley Mantovani, aha! Aha! Right, here we are. And we're obviously friends. Well, I think Hi. we are, yeah. Sometimes, but we've we've been friends for a while. But you've been photographer for way longer than that.
0: It seems like you are uh, saying I'm really old. There,
1: I'm not saying you're really old. No, Good. yeah, Good. you're you're actually one of the youngest people I know, and I mean that truly. <laughs> yeah, I mean it as a yeah. compliment and and an insult.
0: Right, excellent. Yeah, Good
1: mental age of a teenager. Yeah, like yeah, it forever. Well, it's the best way to be.
0: I did drive by one of those, uh, you know, those luxury uh, apartment blocks that that everywhere seems to be, you know popping up, and he said, uh, uh, for retirement, uh, people uh, age 55 to 65, and I thought, fuck, I've got three years to go.
1: But you have been a photographer forever.
0: Not quite forever, but yeah, a long time.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't mean you like came out of the womb and picked up a camera, but that's that's kind of how I see it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it feels like it sometimes.
1: What was, your first, what was your first photography job?
0: I did a mate's wedding, like we all do. Your mate asks you, don't they?
1: So I thought you were a photographer before weddings.
0: Oh, I learned photog- photography uh, years ago when I was a young whipsnapper of 19, when I went to work for Bullins.
1: Oh, serious? That's See, I'm, I'm lear- I'm, I knew I was going to learn stuff about you on this.
0: Yeah, Matt. So I went to work for Butlins in the summer season and I went to work in the press office and I had the most amazing time. And the photographer in the press office slips a disc in his back. And he was like, "Well, you're now it." And uh, gave me a camera. And this was back in the day before any SLR. Never mind DSLR. Never mind mirrorless. Never mind any of that shit. It was, you know, a proper, proper camera. You had to turn dials and shit, man. Well, like, what,
1: like a like medium format style? or
0: yeah, medium format, and um, just an ordinary uh, SLR. I think he gave me a Pentax. I think it was. But um, yeah, and you know, said this does that, and this does that. And I was nineteen and green, and just went all right, and off I went. What was and, your job? Uh, what was
1: your job supposed to be at Butlins?
0: I was uh, like a press assistant, so I used to write uh, press releases and stuff, and drink gin with my boss. He was an amazing gin drinker, and but he was the man who got me his coffee. He turned me into a coffee snob.
1: Right, I knew, I knew this was going to happen. We're already off at four tangents, and we're in one. We're in one <laughs> conversation. We're in coffee, Butlins, journalism, and photography.
0: Mate, well, I came from journalism. I originally had a journalism background. Hopped into that, did a bit of PR photography. It's all words are just you know they're, they're pictures, but you know the same what? thing. Lyrical, in it,
1: words are pictures or pictures are words.
0: Oh, both really, aren't
1: we? No, but you know, so you, so you're at, you're at Butland's. You're supposed to be a yeah. press assistant writing press releases, yeah. Yeah. and some some guy thrusts a well, let's thrusts a, a Pentax into your hand yeah. with with dials, and suddenly yeah. you're a photographer. But and what with? And you, had any interest in photography before that?
0: No, no. I had one of those. What, what were they? One, three eights or something. Those little slim cameras with a little cartridge that you put in the back.
1: And you had to flip the top over and it almost became a handle underneath.
0: Right. So I had one of those. Rock and roll, baby. Yeah, um yeah. That was my experience of photography. And then I had to... He also taught me how to develop in the dark room because... We used to do all our own printing. And so, yeah, that was it, man. I was hooked.
1: And then what? After that, you you stayed, you carried on doing photography?
0: No, I went back to journalism, worked for the local newspaper. And then I went, uh, after that, I went uh, and did five years for the Press Association in their film and uh, TV department, you know, writing film stuff.
1: Sounds good. What was the local, what was the local newspaper called?
0: Doncaster Free Press. It wasn't free. Weird. Oh.
1: <laughs> free press had a meaning though, didn't it? Back then, there was like a free press was, yeah, a, yeah it didn't mean free. But so you were like a Lois Lane style. No, uh, no, you, you, no, you'd have been like Clark Kent. <laughs>
0: Cheers. Is
1: that why you still got yeah. the Clark Kent glasses? Yeah,
0: yeah, do you like them? Yeah, I put them yeah, off yeah. and nip into the sci telephone booth. Yeah, no, no, it was good. I liked being a juno. It was uh, although we didn't call ourselves junos because. We weren't doing like hard news. We were writers. We were known as writers.
1: So what? Well somebody would come somebody would come to you with a story and you'd have to make it sound good.
0: Well I didn't do I didn't really do news. I did all the creative stuff. I went to gigs and theatre and did all the arty, wanky stuff. And then when I left the local rag, I went to the Press Association and did exactly the same thing. I was just writing about films and meeting actors and producers and writers. And that was, that was it, going to the press drum kits in London and then writing about it.
1: It sounds it sounds like a good life. I mean, I know you enjoyed that life as well.
0: Yeah. I've loved every single job I've ever had, man. Even the crap jobs I've really loved.
1: Oh nice. You've had a lot of jobs. I might bring a few up as we go through. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so and what and then so what then while you're a journalist out of nowhere somebody says, Can you shoot my wedding?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you make you've got I had a mate and she worked in a pub that's going. <laughs> we spent a lot of time in pubs back then when we were journos like proper journos used to hang out in pubs because that's where you found stories that's what we said we just went in for the (laughs) elbow bending yeah and she was getting married and she was like you've got a camera can you take my pictures of my wedding and I just yeah I didn't have the first fucking clue man
1: what was, you, what, what was your camera then? Like, you, since doing the whole Butlins thing, which is just a revelation to me, but since then, had you, had you remained interested in photography alongside journalism or not?
0: Yeah, so still, I was still shooting stuff, but I was into more fashiony stuff and portrait stuff, and I really like uh, Anton Corby and his work. And so I was shooting on Ilford film on a shitty old camera that didn't, you know, ISO didn't go up to 12 gajillion like it does these days. And so you had to push the film in order to get a higher ISO. You pushed the film, developed it where it shouldn't be, um, which meant that all, all your images came out with grain the size of golf balls. But it was artsy, man.
1: So you're doing this and you're obsessed with film and then some, and then somebody says, shoot my wedding. And yeah. you're like, I'm going to go make them look like Anton Corbine shot their, shot their wedding.
0: Well, I didn't have any choice because uh, that's all I knew. <laughs> I didn't have the first fucking clue. Like Lots of people when they enter the industry. You ain't got the first clue, have you? I was just thinking, I've seen, you know, somebody's wedding pictures before. I know that you all have to stand in line. I know that you have to, you know, do that thing where you find their dress out shit. And then, so I did a bit of that and we didn't, you know, I I actually went to her house in the morning, which was unheard of. I was like, yeah, let's do this, man.
1: Why though? Why did you, why did you think that was a good idea even before it was? I don't
0: know. I don't know. Cause nobody had done, not that I knew, nobody had done it. My mates weren't going, oh yeah, you need to come around this thing in the morning. Cause that's what photographers do.
1: So even, even back then you were trying to be different for the sake of being different.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I was doing, I don't know if I was trying. I was just doing it. I didn't, there was no like thought process. There's no thought process in my mind generally. I'm just bumbling along, mate.
1: What did what happened when you so you're at the you're at the house, presumably again with a film camera?
0: Yeah, yeah, all film, yeah.
1: So you're not going to be able to shoot 3,000 images of her having her makeup done?
0: No, and we didn't, people didn't have their makeup done back then. She was just doing it herself. Everybody was, everything was just, you got ready at your mum's house and it was just very traditional and, you know, the Rolls-Royce pulled up outside and all, and we couldn't, fit. We I couldn't shoot in the church. I wasn't allowed to shoot in the church. So, yeah, so then I did that, you know, I did the half a dozen group shots outside and then we went to the reception and then, shot a bit of the speeches and did some portrait stuff. I don't remember any of it. And, but it was all black and white because I didn't know how to shoot colour film. I only knew how to do black and white.
1: <laughs> and did you develop it yourself? Yeah. Oh, this is good. And have you still got any of these pictures or not? No. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Well, I don't know. No, I mean, they might, maybe they might not have been very good or whatever, but I mean, it's it would be cool to see them.
0: It would be cool. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, but then, then I got pissed at the wedding and ate some pizza. <laughs>
1: That's pretty much how all your stories end. <laughs> I know, right?
0: <laughs> That's
1: interesting. Like what year, what year would this have been? Uh,
0: 1989 was the, first, was the year I was at Butlin's. So that was maybe the year after, because I then, once I'd shot the wedding, I then, I, did, I couldn't drive back then. So I got on my push bike and got on the train and went to Skegness, which is where my mate still worked in the, in the lab. And, and uh, biked it from the station to to, to the to Butlins and developed all my film and printed it all in the
1: lab. <laughs> that's one way of backing up your images, isn't it?
0: No, right.
1: I love this story. I'm enjoying this story. And I, and I didn't know this story already, so it's good. I
0: can't believe I've not told you this bullshit. I know, yeah.
1: Or maybe I've just never behaved interested before.
0: Oh, what was that?
1: No, it's good. I mean, that, that's... Uh, it's, so I, I thought you were going to say this was like 10 years after Butlins, but this is like straight after Butlins, so you must have been hooked-ish hooked, hooked ish on photography pretty pretty quickly after that whole butlin's experience.
0: Yeah, I realised that there was some sort of crazy power with a camera. I don't mean to sound facetious or anything, but the second you turn a camera on on someone, they do one of two things, don't they, right? It's instant. They either go, oh, fuck that, or they go, oh, yeah, I'm a model. Hi. (laughs) Right? They're the only two reactions, really, and I realised that that was power. It was great. To be able, and people would say, can you know, bands and stuff, young bands would come to and go, oh. Can you sit some? Photos? And so I'd be like, oh, "Yeah, that's great." It felt rock and roll to me, man. I felt like
1: I was in charge. Ah, I feel like we've got into therapy now.
0: Yeah, sorry about that.
1: Yeah, no, this is that's good. I mean, I, I I agree with you because I I've always said people what when you when you've got a camera, people will do whatever you say.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Even
1: if they don't really want to, there's something about the fact you're holding a camera that they don't feel like they can say no, so they'll do it. Yeah. Even if they'll do it reluctantly, they'll still do it. I'm not saying that's a, I'm not saying that's a particularly good thing, but there's definitely is that element of it. Cool, right? So that so we're talking about around 1990-ish, 91 yeah yeah and then what you just carried on doing journalism with a bit of photography on the side for a while after that and then yeah. became a, and then what became a landscape gardener
0: uh, no, so I went to I went to university because I didn't go when I was eighteen because I was too busy having a really good time with life. I was having a lovely time I'd got a great job, all those things you know travelling to London whatever. I was living the dream, basically. And then I thought to myself, uh, I want to do something a bit different. Got into great outdoors. And then my mate said to me that I was working for a PR company, a massive PR company at that point. And we had huge clients, uh, National Lottery, Range Rover, like Mark Suspensers. But it was lovely. We drank champagne on Wednesdays. It's lovely man.
1: (laughs) And what were you doing then? Still like press releases and all that kind of...
0: Yeah, yeah, still doing all kinds of writing and stuff. And then a girl I worked with said, oh, is this garden design course at Leeds Uni? Do you want to come? It's like for a week. I was like, ooh, all right. And then off I went and I discovered I really loved it. I really like drawing and stuff because I've not drawn since I was a kid, you know? Because when you go to school... They sort of beat the creative crap out of you, don't they? They're just like, that's not important. Do maths. And I was shit at maths. Uh, I'm still shit at maths, um, which is why we have calculators. <laughs> right? But uh, so I went on this thing, loved it. My tutors were great. They were really inspiring. And it was all still that creative um, thought process And trying to understand why you were designing something in that way and use of materials and uh, vistas and viewpoints and uh, junctions and stuff, minutiae that I found absolutely fascinating about where a piece of paving joins with another piece of paving, which sounds fucking dull. But all of that is a creative process, just like photography is, just like writing is. It's all a creative process, and you you take the bits that you need. Um, so I decided to jack in my job and go and work, go and do my degree in landscape architecture and garden art and design. Left turn. Yeah, but I did my dissertation on photography, depth of field, blurring the boundaries of photography and garden art and design. See, so so even then I was shoot. You know, I was thinking about photography and shooting stuff, loads of different pictures of. Gardens. Yeah. And then I, I uh, for my dissertation, I, um, I got in touch with loads of different uh, landscape photographers and interviewed them all and they gave me permission to reproduce loads of their Images and
1: Good. On the whole, ma- on the whole, calculator thing. I remember once getting thrown out of a maths lesson because we weren't allowed to use calculators to, you know, to do this pop quiz or whatever. And I was trying to make people laugh at school. That was my like number one goal was just to make people laugh, and it got me in trouble a lot. Yeah. But I remember, I vividly remember saying to the maths teacher, "Mate, I am pretty sure these will still exist when we're old." It, like a felt like we were getting taught to to not use calculators just in case they just dropped out of existence at some point so you know you've gone from working journalist with a little bit of photography yeah to now being a trained garden designer who uses photography during a garden design diploma degree whatever degree degree sorry retraction official retraction of, of, (laughs) of the word of the word diploma and then what you just go off and do garden design for a bit
0: yeah so i went and worked for one of my tutors who has her own company so i went and worked for her for a bit um but at that point I was doing more, I was, pe- more people were asking me to do certain things with photography wise. Uh, you know, so other, other gardeners would ask me to do shots and, uh, and then people, more people started asking me about what another person asked me for a wedding. And I was like, ah, I did it once, man. It was shit. didn't like it. It was shit.
1: I had to get on a bike and cycle to Skegness and develop it.
0: Exactly. Uh, by this time I'd, I'd, digital was just on the verge of coming out big style, right? You know, it was just sort of trickling in.
1: What are we talking, early 2000s? I
0: can't remember when that was. God, was such a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. It was, but it was early days for digital. Yeah. And um, I'd got a little, you know, a little Sony digital camera, a little tiny thing, uh, which I used to take various places. But then this person asked me to shoot this wedding, and I was like, oh, fuck, I better buy a camera. <laughs> so that helps um, yeah so I bought, I bought a camera shot the wedding they had a professional photographer as well thanks but
1: but they asked you what to to do some creative stuff alongside yeah. the, the real guy
0: yeah. yeah but I just basically got pissed
1: but you clearly, by this point in your life, had a reputation of being a creative, a generally a creative person.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I was still being massively creative, drawing and painting. And So you were
1: everyone's creative friend. I don't know. I think so.
0: Right. Yeah. But yeah. So And then the more and more people started asking me about wedding photography bullshit. And then I decided to just, well, I jacked it in basically. I just thought, well, fuck this garden game off because there's no money in gardening. Uh, and um, I'll go full-time wedding photographer. Like, I totally believed in myself. What an idiot. And went out and bought a Nikon D3 uh, that was built like a small tank.
1: Yeah, I remember. But you could have been Monty on. You could have been Monty on. You quit just before gardeners became famous on TV.
0: Now, gardeners were already famous at that point. Uh, the tish Marsh was doing it. And uh, what's that bird with the long hair? Charlie Dimmock. Yeah, she was well into that. I had no no desire to be famous. Like, oh, I'm yeah, yeah. not one of those people. I don't really want to be famous I just want to crack on. I just want to do the job and produce really nice work. and
1: Whatever that is, that's presumably like whether... whether we want to be a- free! <laughs> you are a free spirit though. That's the thing about you. So obviously, like early 2000s or whatever, you start shooting on your Nikon D3 mm. weddings and obviously night and day comparing the industry then to the industry now in terms of not only what you could get away with, but what you thought you had to do, I suppose. So did you go into wedding photography and shoot it as wedding photography, like doing what all the other Tom, Dick and Harry's were doing?
0: No, I just went in and did it. Uh, so one of my mates, uh, uh his girlfriend, uh she was trying to help her sister who was getting married. Her twin sister was getting married. And she said to him, do you know any photographers? And he went, well, oh, my mate Shelley is a photographer, but I don't know. Uh, at which point I'm not, you know, I wasn't like a professional wedding photographer. I'd done a couple of weddings, maybe, I don't know. And, so I chipped up at this wedding. I uh, I charged them five hundred of your English pounds.
1: It seems to be if you I don't, if you were to listen to other episodes of this, five hundred yeah. pounds or dollars seems to be the the exact price that most people start off at. Really? Yeah.
0: How weird. Yeah. Five
1: hundred
0: quid. Uh, yeah. So I charged them five hundred quid, and uh, they were having uh, um, a shindig. They were getting married in a church, and then they had like a marquee on a parents' farm, and. Um, I just shot it however the fuck I wanted to do.
1: Why was that? Was that because you'd you'd seen wedding photography and wanted to not do that or just because you didn't pay any attention to wedding photography, so you were just doing whatever, whatever came naturally?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I was bullshitting along the way. I thought I was absolutely amazing. I had one lens. I can't even remember what it was. It might have been 35. I don't know. I just had one lens one camera, and I don't think it even had a dual slot in the D3, did it?
1: Definitely didn't. Well, and also, you, we'd have been talking, like, relatively low megapixels and tiny little memory yeah. cards, so you must have had a pocket full of memory cards or still been shooting, like, film and being quite selective.
0: I think I was still shooting, like, film, and I didn't have a flash. I was just making it up as I went along, man. It's fine, isn't it? It's fine. Just make it up as you go along. Yeah. That's
1: the, that's the best way to do it.
0: I think so. And then at that point, I, was, I sort of realised that, like online stuff was going to be the place. I didn't need a fucking shop, you know, like the old guys. And so I built my own website. I taught myself HTML. Nice. <laughs> because like you, you know, every day oh, every day's a school day and I don't like to sit still. I like to learn fresh stuff all the time. And can't, I can't sit still, man. I've got to be learning something. I mean, nobody can do it like you can. Nobody will care enough about your business than you.
1: You're ahead of the curve if you knew online was going to be the thing.
0: Yeah, well, I could see it all taking off, and just thought to myself, I could. I looked at other websites, other you know, there was there weren't many photography websites, and I remember at that point, uh, Facebook was. Oh, I don't think Facebook even existed at that point. Maybe it had just started. Well, Facebook
1: was like 2007, 2007-ish.
0: Yeah. But yeah, so I built myself a website and um, shot a couple of more cheap shit weddings and then ramped my prices up massively and did a, a style shoot, which got on Rock and Roll Bride. Yeah, just went crazy, man.
1: Right place, right time, I think. Yeah. Like if you were able to get into like the new style of weddings back at that point... Because ro- that's when Rock and Roll Bride was like brand new. Yeah. Like you say, Facebook was was the, it was there, but you, you certainly couldn't use it as a business. It was like, what is Adam doing today? And you'd put just opened a can of beans or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, that, was, that was literally what Facebook was. Yeah. Uh, and I was talking to Neil Redfern a couple of episodes ago about Twitter and like the early days of Twitter. And you'd kind of, you'd say some random stuff on Twitter, but you, you weren't really going to get any business doing any of that stuff. So interesting. That is interesting though. And especially interesting because I think a lot of people like talking about style and like the way you do it, a lot of people get into it and they do the, they do it the wedding way first. Yeah. They do it like the accepted norm. Yeah. Then they realize they don't like that. Yeah. And they either get out of weddings because they think that's rubbish or they start trying to do it their own way. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't surprise me about you, but you just, you never really knew what the wedding way was by the sound of it. And you just went in and, yeah. you had Anton Corbine in the back of your head and but yeah. Anton Corbine mixed with butlins, mixed with garden mm-hmm. design. <laughs> I just had the probably, I'm imagining the weirdest pictures of all time, which is probably accurate.
0: Oh, the thing was, when I worked at Butlins, uh, we we could shoot anything we liked, basically. And we had a lot of bands going through the camp. So, you know, there were different bands on every night. Uh, some And some were big bands, you know, some names and stuff, you know. And I really liked all the soul stuff and uh, the brass stuff, all of that. And so I would just... I I was taught that, and of course we didn't have the big ISO stuff, so I was taught to shoot bands on a film camera using 400 ISO. (laughs) Seems insane to me now. Shouting,
1: Shouting really loud to the back,
0: stand still for a minute. Yeah, it was just awful we'll just double that. We'll just double that. Yeah. It'll be 800 ISO in reality, but it it gave, uh, when, you know, like I've got this, one of my friends took out a shot I took back then, uh, which he had on his office wall for years of Jimmy James and the Vagabonds. And Jimmy James is wearing a white suit. That's class, right? It's class. Um, and he's on, he's on stage and he's belting it out. You know, he's doing his soul thing, motherfucker. Uh, and uh, I took his picture and he'd had it on his wall for ages and he brought it around and he said, I've got something for you and handed me this picture back. And it's, it's almost like it's not a photograph because of the way that, you know, you, I've shot it on film. I've developed it on matte film, on matte paper. And, you know, the grain is massive and it loses that photography element almost and becomes almost a painting, which sounds like I'm totally up my own arse. But it, when you look at it, you wouldn't actually think, oh, that's a photograph. And I liked that. And I liked the way that uh, Anton Corbin uh, made all of his uh, Depeche Mode stuff. It blurred the boundaries of photography and art and painting and stuff because his stuff was so wildly different to stuff I'd seen before. I just thought that's wild man that's crazy
1: but even and even still is though that's the thing about people like him because obviously you know he's he'll have thousands and thousands of fans who are photographers around the world who are constantly trying to recreate that look that feel and it's impossible so even even all these years later like it's not like he's faded into insignificance because now everyone's work looks like that. But so that's interesting. I want to see this picture. Have you still got a copy of this picture?
0: We have somewhere, yes. Yeah. Talking about people trying to emulate your work, right? Yeah. Why why do, why do people do that? Why can't they just go off and find their own brand?
1: Well, I think, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head already, really. I would say, I mean, we were good, this is definitely one thing I want to talk about. It's good that we've ended up talking about that kind of the art, the, that blurred line between art and photography, because... Definitely like a topic in the industry of like can you be a wedding photographer and an artist? And yeah, I mean of course you can. Yes. Of course you can. But the the whole emulation thing is exactly what I just said about Anton Corbine. It's like people will look at anybody, him, or a you know, a wedding photographer they admire, or, you know, Avidon or or you know, nowadays it's cooler to look at the street street art street photographers and then try and emulate that work because it almost seems like that's the easy that's the the fast track. And obviously every and obviously these days everyone's obsessed with the fast track. So why why spend I mean, you're, in your case, we're talking—you know—fifteen years between Butlins and this kind of properly getting into weddings. Yeah, yeah. Why spend fifteen years when you can pick up a book and then try and recreate those images that weekend? Because you've got a, you've got a hundred and twenty-eight gig memory card in your camera and can take ten thousand images. You know, yeah. It, it, so it's it's like it's no surprise that people try and emulate other photographers. But is that ever going to make you re- really happy? If that's what you're doing, if that's what you're really doing, is but and there's a, but there is an argument to say, if you, if you start off like trying to emulate and not copy, but maybe copy, then you've got to start that way before you can find your own way of doing it. But I'm not sure about that.
0: I don't, yeah, I think, I think some photographers or whatever, uh, any artist, I guess, uh, they start out going, oh, I love that. I love that. Whatever it is. I love that. I want to do that. Right. Without fully exploring what it is they can do. And I'm at the point now where and I think I always have been, actually. But even when I try and emulate someone, I can't do it because I revert back to like my natural stamps of dark shit.
1: But I think it's, you can't even emulate yourself. That's the, that's the thing that I think is yeah, like the most profound thing about it is that I I've taken a picture of early days my wedding wedding career that I really liked, and then I, yeah. I remember a few months later maybe I had a wedding at the same venue, and I thought I'll go make that I'll go make that picture again. No. Nope. I couldn't make it again. Yeah. I, I went to the same spot. You know, I had a, I had a girl in a white dress and a guy in a gray suit. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm just, why can't I make the same picture again? I liked I it. Don't f- wanna,
0: I don't want to make the same picture again. That's the other thing, right? I don't yeah. want to make the same thing. And obviously as a wedding photographer, you you always shoot that venue. I don't know, a half dozen times in your life, or maybe more, you know. There are venues I've shot at, at 30 times, and you're just almost going through the motions a little bit, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? And I shot a picture uh, a couple of years back uh, at a venue which had a big bank of fairy lights when fairy lights were just coming in. This venue had just opened, and I shot the silhouette shot, which everyone fucking loved, of course, and then everybody copied that shot. Fair enough, that's what, that's what happens, man. And then every time I go back there, the couples, you know, the brides generally always say to me, can you do me that silhouette shot? And I go, you don't want your picture to look like someone else's, man. And they'll go, yeah, but the thing is when you take a shot, there are certain bits of that, elements of that shot that make it that, right? So, you know, that bride looked a certain way, you know, uh, she had a certain type of hair, he, you know, reacted in a certain way. I can't make those elements happen naturally to recreate that exact shot, because then it looks forced. And then, well,
1: it, yeah. Pl- plus, it, you got you got to add into the mix your own mood and your own
0: yeah, everything, everything yeah. else.
1: Because it's like I was somebody else I was talking to, and they said, like, photography is only ever a reflection of you and how you're feeling at that time. So, if you're not feeling exactly the same as well, even if even if you probably had the same bride and the same groom and the same dress and the same yeah. hair and all the rest of it in that spot, yeah. still probably still probably wouldn't. Well, definitely wouldn't have been able to make the same image. No, yeah,
0: for sure. And I know, I know immediately when something's not working. I don't know about you, but like, yeah. I th- I th- you know, I spot some nice light, get a bride or whatever set up, and then I think, that's shit. So I know for in a second, a nanosecond, and I go through the motions of clicking the button a couple of times and then just go, yeah, we're done, let's go. Just because I don't want them to think, well, she knows what the fuck she's doing. Yeah. But at that time, I know it's not right. I just know it's not right. Even if I've taken that shot a million times before, I know it's not right. Yeah, walk away, man. Go and find something else.
1: Hundred percent. And but also on the whole emulation thing, I think the other reason a lot of people emulate work is because they see that they might see something that's got a lot of attention for that photographer, and they think, "I want that attention. I want all, I want that many likes, and I want. I want people to th- say that and think that about my work." Okay. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, that was what I was going to say to you. So you've, I mean, I know the answer to this, but do you care what other people think of you of your work?
0: No, I don't give a shit.
1: Apart from the people who've paid you for it.
0: <laughs> I want, obviously I want my clients, my clients are happy and I've been, I am creatively happy. Then I'm over the moon, over the moon. But at the end of the day, uh, what difference does it make if I've got 5,000 likes on an image uh, as opposed to five? As we used to say in the uh, newspaper industry. Uh It's tomorrow's chip paper, right? Yeah, Tomorrow's chip paper. Apart, it is, yeah. it
1: is apart for everybody, apart from that, apart from the actual clients. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you're never really going to be satisfied for long if that's your if that's your like quest for happiness in the industry is to is for other photographers, especially because that's what that's what we're talking about, really. Yeah, for sure. Other, other photographers to like your work, you're never going to be really fulfilled long term, are you? Yeah. I was thinking about this this morning because obviously. I'm going to bring up fair Wariste, but and obviously he is insanely popular on a wedding photography level and an artistic level.
0: Yeah.
1: But I remember his attitude to that when I, when I did his workshop all these years ago, 2012, 2013. In his mind, he only wanted 20 or 30 people a year to like his work. Yeah. And he didn't care if there was more than that, like because yeah. his is he just wanted the 20 or 30 paying clients yeah. to like his work per year and he was like I don't care if if more than that like it. Irrelevant, yeah. but also if it, even if it was only 30 he would have been perfectly happy and perfectly fulfilled in the, in his work and the, and the way he was making it and it kind of is he's a to me he's a perfect example because he's somebody that every almost every wedding photographer looks up to on an, on an artistic level yeah and yet he doesn't care what other people think of his work
0: yeah yeah the people get wrapped up in this stupid online world of instagram and you know how many fucking insta stories are you doing and you know i must put out x amount of work and and that if you put out X amount of work to beat the algorithm, you're diluting all of your work. Well, you think how many images we take on a wedding day and how many images we deliver on a wedding day, and then think of how many of those actual images you would want, right? To really represent who you are. That's maybe one a, a wedding. Yeah, one a wedding. Yeah. If I'm lucky. Like maybe yeah. two a really good fucking wedding. But like, what, why, are we, why are we pumping out all this shit all the time in the vain hope that someone will go, wow, that documentary shot's fucking banging, man, when it's not?
1: I mean, the documentary, I, I would, when I think of your work, I don't really, I mean, I know you obviously, and other people have said this on the podcast, like if you're a wedding photographer, you're a documentary wedding photographer. Like let's not make, let's not like beat around the bush because 99%, 95% of the day, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Like I, but when I think, when I personally think of your work, I don't think of the documentary side of it as no, much. I-
0: I I don't think think I'm a documentary photographer. I think I've said this to you before. No, but you are,
1: whether you want to be or not at a wedding.
0: No, but I don't consider myself a pure documentary photographer because I do engineer stuff. You know, I engineer the fact that uh, there's some nice light over there and I want to make a beautiful picture. You can't do that with documentary. You, You know, you can't engineer people to be there if you're a pure documentary photographer.
1: No, no. But the difference between a pure documentary photographer and what is these days falls under the term documentary wedding photographer. Yeah. But my point is, like, I have a view of your work, especially based on what you put out into the world. It's the same for everyone, isn't it, really? But I think what you generally, I mean, you put documentary out and every now and again when you feel like it's a, a Shelley documentary shot. Yeah. But in the, on the whole, you put out the stuff that is very you. Like, it, it obviously, just you think, oh, that, that's, that feels like my work, so I'll put that out.
0: I think it's really uh, hard in this day and age. If you're just starting out and you don't know what the hell you're doing, and you've not quite narrowed your niche or found your vibe or whatever it is that you want to say, you know, found find your own style. Uh, when you know, I would say eighty percent of photographers, wedding photographers, don't have a style.
1: Do you need to have a style?
0: I don't fucking know, man. I don't know the answer.
1: I've asked this a couple. I've asked this to a couple of people because I I think the whole thing that's a lot of pressure. I think. You know, if you're a photographer to to be able to define your style, if somebody said to me, "What's your style?" and people have asked me, I can't answer that question. I feel like I probably sh- maybe should have an answer to that question. Do I feel like I've got a style? Yes, but do I know do I know how to pitch it to you in thirty seconds? No, I don't. I wouldn't know how to. I I couldn't stand here and say, "Well, I like in my style, it's this, 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 and this." Yeah.
0: I've
1: I've done it on my in a marketing sense on my website in broad terms that make that I think would make sense to a non photographer because remember that's how that's how clients yeah non-photographers sure. so if we stand up here and like spout a load of arty jargony bollocks about photography like cl- some yeah. clients will le- will lap that shit up but a lot of people a lot of people would it would just go <sharp inhale> um so I, d- I don't think there's a i don't think there's there's a need to define your style obviously you need to have one that looks relatively consistent when people look at your work
0: who gives a shit man just shoot it if it feels great shoot it move on let's go
1: agreed amen So on the, on the whole art side of things, I mean, there's, I don't want to get into this specifically on this podcast, but there's the whole, there is a big debate and I have it often with Andy Gaines. As wedding photographers, are we artists or are we service providers? I don't particularly want to talk about that now, but the other debate is, by the way, my answer is that you can be both. But the the other, the other debate is, can you be an artist and a business person? Like, can you care about the art and care about the business? Because I would say before I knew you really well, you were just a, creative just a creative free spirit soul artist but obviously now i know you really well i would say you care almost as much about the the businessy side of running a wedding photography business as you do about going out and making your art because obviously if you didn't have a business you wouldn't be able to go out and make the art anyway
0: i mean at the end of the day we all just you know if i had a choice i'd just be clicking. Yeah. But we don't have that choice, so I have to find. You know, was it clicking amount is I don't know five percent is it, and then the rest of the time is spent doing bullshit stuff.
1: You say that, but you, you, I think you enjoy it. I do
0: enjoy it. Yes. Cause
1: a yeah, because there's creativity. There's creativity to it these days. More, more. I think there's more creativity to the business side of wedding photography, photography, even small businesses in general than there ever has been because you have to apply. You can't. There's, there's no one size fits all.
0: No one size it all. And
1: you have to work stuff out and you have to work out that piece of software. And that's quite, yeah. that, can be, that can appeal to your brain if you've got that kind of brain that likes yeah. to work things out. So you, still, you say it's bullshit, but I know you don't mean it because I know you enjoy <laughs> it.
0: Yeah. I quite get a kick out of mastering something. Do you know what I mean? When I know that, uh, like sometimes I pay people to do something for me, right? We all do that. We all get a plumber in. We all get a builder in, you know, whatever. Uh, but when it comes to business... Like I've done it occasionally and then thought, well, that was a bit of a shit service. And the things that they did for me for that extortionate amount of money, uh, I could actually teach myself. So I taught myself to build a bot.
1: Not like a real Johnny Five type style, like a chatbot, a chatbot.
0: bot. built yeah. myself it, yeah. So yeah, I can do that. I've got a few hours left you just got to crack on, man. If you want something doing and you, you know, when you haven't got the money to do it or you don't feel like you understand it enough, that's my thing. I do, I'm quite tight and I'm Yorkshire, from Yorkshire, obviously. So I don't like spending money on anything. So I think, oh, I could just do that. And then obviously when you start looking into it, you think, oh, fuck, I've taken off, you know, a bit more than I can chew. Uh, so uh better crack on. Um, and so, and then I get a kick out of the fact that I will fucking master this thing, whatever that is. Funnels, Facebook adverts, whatever you want to do. I, I don't, I want to do it until I've done it.
1: I know, I remember. But it is like, the, you know, there's that there's that, there's that, meme that goes around about the creative process where it's like stage one, this is hard. Stage two, this is shit. Stage three, I am shit. Stage four, this could be okay. Stage five, I'm a genius. Yeah. Like, and I remember with the bot thing, getting messages from you exactly on that path. Yeah. I, re- I remember the one that came through going, I'm ne- I'm never going to be able to do this. I've been working on this for about four days straight without any sleep. It's just never going to work. And then yeah. about seven minutes later, I got a message going, I'm a genius. It works perfectly. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: But it, there's definitely, if you enjoy the creative process and, you know, I think that's why we do it. That we do it for the process, whether it's photography or whatever it is. If you've got that kind of brain who enjoys the process, like you'll enjoy making a bot or building yeah. a funnel. And we're talking about like, I Don't want to say cutting edge because that makes it sound really shit, but like this is like modern small business marketing techniques,
0: yeah, while everybody
1: it. else is still talking about s e o which which arguably you know it's an old marketing technique now s e o yeah. and it's and it's insanely competitive
0: it Where, is.
1: whereas you you are quite you got your ear to the ground
0: i just i don't like to sell my ass and um i like I'd like to earn money
1: yeah and you uh, and you and you don't want your business to fail, which is
0: uh, yeah yeah like I don't want to work for the man. I want to be a photographer for the rest of my days. I mean, yeah, maybe eventually when I'm 70, I won't be relevant in the wedding marketplace. But hopefully by then, I'll be still clicking away, doing other stuff, whatever that is. I find every aspect of not just photography, but business fascinating. And I want to understand it from every perspective, from my perspective, from the client's perspective, everything. If you're you're building an app For instance, you can't just build an app with you in mind. You've got to do it with your end user, right? You've got to understand what they are experiencing. You wouldn't just do it and go, ah, it's great, whatever, works for me, (laughs) because you want to make money. So you've got to understand it from that very, you know, slight nuanced aspect of one user who doesn't quite like doing it the way that you might do it, and all the other 99% of the users are going to use it. You've got to look at it from every single angle. And photography is like that, isn't it? Yeah, you're not going to get everybody to fucking love you, but most people might like you. And if that service is thought about and analysed and, you know, you've taken into consideration how everybody uses that thing, whatever that thing is you're creating, for me, it's photography or film and they're happy then that's good, right? But I don't I don't want it to be half arsed. People go into it half assed. Some people come into photography just to make money. That's not me. I like money. But I'm not about the money. Don't show me the money. <laughs> I'm not I'm not there for the money. I'm there for the clicks. All right,
1: hit it. I'm not there for the money, I'm there for the clicks. If that's not a brilliant soundbite, I don't know what is. You can check out Shelley's work at toastofleads.co.uk and on Instagram, she's toastofleads. You can listen to previous episodes of the Dotcast anyway, you normally listen to podcasts. And for more about Nine Dots membership and the Nine Dots gathering, zip over to nine-dots.co. Elvis has left the building.